and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished watching Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm piloting space while Perkins knocked, dropping photon batteries on the beloved children. I am Tyler. What the hell are you on about now? My <laughs> name is Zach. You better watch out for Mommy Tomoe. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're going to team up and beat, fuck up Homura in that movie, but we'll see. <laughs> That's where my money is right now, though. Are all of them, like, you, you think uh, Madoka's going to also get involved in that? Somehow, oh, I don't know. The, we got, like, the Madoka with Homura's bow in the side ponytail in that trailer. So I don't know what that means. I wonder she, if Cheese Chick is going to show up, too. I can't think of the, of oh, the uh, person's uh, of name. Nagisa, I'm sure she's going to show up. Because she's in that world. So is Monica also like kind of dead right now? No, she's not dead. She's depowered because Homura stole all of her, basically stole all of her power. Okay, I thought she destroyed Monica. No, no, because Monica's in that world, right? Because she shows up as the transfer student. She and Homura have reversed positions. Okay. Because it ends with Monica moving to there from the States. Gotcha. And Homura's entire thing was to basically get her girlfriend back and not so that she is no longer God. And so she stole all of her power. Seems rude. <laughs> oh, yeah, extremely. She's not <laughs> dealing with it well. I mean, Monica doesn't know it anymore because Homer kind of wiped everybody's memories. Because she is no longer God. I tried to describe the plot of Monica Magica to Alex the other day, and she's like, the hell now? I'm like, well, you see, every time she reboots the timeline, she drags more of the universe's importance with her. Yeah, but she's the most important person because she's set, reset the world like 57 times trying to... Oh, it's it's well, such a good setup. The bit where the fucking animal shows up is like, yeah. Do you understand entropy? Because <laughs> that, really, that's the root problem. Let me give you a quick physics lesson, real quick. You see, sadness is worse than en- entropy, so we can use that, especially the sadness of manipulated teenage girls. It's so good. Oh. Genner Abochi, why do you like g so much when you clearly are so much better at Do you just like it because you're like, well, I can definitely add Tomino to the list of writers I know I'm better than. <laughs> they I'm, did it. They gave me proof. I'm coming for you, Anno. So we're watching episode 17 of Rico and Gisa NG. Ida's decision. Ida decides to watch Madoka Magica this week. It was a good choice. If this is your first episode, man... Go back to like some Gundam Seed ones. That shit's good. <laughs> but well, hell, even the one we did just before this, Build Fighter is also pretty good. Gundam Double O, pretty good. Rough opening, but pretty good. When you get to that ending, Destiny's get... kind of hit or miss. Yeah, Destiny was all right. Yeah, Destiny's just disappointing. It's not like a bad show. It's just not what you want. We did a stellar job with Build Divers because we're awesome. <laughs> Build Divers not so good. <laughs> it's got Ninja Tricks, and that's the extent of what's good. And the fact that the Game Master is a gym. That's also a good That's a pretty good joke. Yes. Uh, everybody's on the moon, and by the moon, I mean Cyrano 5, a space colony orbiting the moon. That looks like Cyrano de Bergerac's nose. But only part of it. By everyone, I mean the crew of the Megafauna, including Prince Bellry and Princess Ida, who have just learned that they are a moon prince and princess. Bellry's not taking it well, because he has a huge crush on Ida, who it turns out is his sister. And he's feeling just a lot of feelings about that. This episode will get Naredo Nug feelings and feelings about different things. Yeah. Raraya has her memories back, and she's just trying to figure out how to be helpful. Naredo's dealing with the fact that Raraya has her memories back and doesn't need a babysitter. And therefore, Naredo currently doesn't have anything to make her useful. Clem Nick and his paramour, Mick Jack, are also <laughs> here. Assistant, lover, 
assistant lover. Yeah, Paramore. <laughs> Paramore is probably a good way to describe Mick Jack, yeah. They want to ally with the Durette fleet, which is the military slash space navy of Toisanga, Cyrano de Bergerac, the colony, in order to go take over the country from his terrible president dad, President Zucchini. <laughs> Zucchini Nikini. Also here, Colonel Kempa Reseda the Shifty and his sidekick Mask and his sidekick Barara and their third in the trio, Manny, <laughs> who are here to ally with the Durette army in order to screw up Ameria. I think that's actually all the factions right now. Uh, no, you're missing uh, Mashner and uh, her himbo rock pie. Oh, they're part of the Durette fleet. They are, but I am missing them. That's true. Yeah, Mashner has a himbo and they're in the Durette fleet. <laughs> That that, that, uh, that describes everyone, I think, that's relevant right now. They're not nearly as good as Cotty Monikin and Patrick Monikin. No. Similar energy, though. Mashner's a lot hornier than Cotty ever was, I guess. This is that, true. That's the problem, is that Cotty could keep it in her pants. She knew when it was time to. Well, Rock Pie seems also, like, less, less oblivious. into Mash Mashner, necessarily, because our boy Colossar Patrick Monikin yeah, was it's true. very he was much down bad. very, like... Yes. Yeah, the, the, the sex drive is reversed, and that's what's prob what the problem is in the relationship. Remember, he went to ask her out, even though they were, like, on call. Remember, remember when he shows up, he's like, hey, you want to go out with me? And he's like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> As Kenny Loggins thing said, there are four things you need to know in life, and three of them are running away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did forget the Ray Hunting faction who have joined up with the Megafauna. That's Mariah's neighbor, Flommy, and two old guys who have names, I swear. Who revealed the whole prince-princess thing to Bellary and Ida. They also built the G-Self. And they're they're so into the Ray Huntons that they are frequently moved to tears by seeing the prince and princess. Specifically, Ida looking like her mom, apparently. Well, I mean, if you look at the picture, Bell doesn't look a lot like his dad, so... No, I he feel really like, doesn't. I feel like he could grow into that guy, but he definitely is not that guy. Yeah. He's, well, I mean, from the only picture we've seen of his dad, he is much more... Uh, his dad is much more poised, and, and Bellary's kind of scruffy in that respect. All right, so we're going to watch episode 17 of Reconquista in G, Ida's Decision. You can watch along if you want to understand the story. We start out with a last time on, which I think is mostly just a excuse to have insight into Bellary's head because that's what they like to use the last times on lit for. And he's like, man, Ida's my sister. That's fucked up. So I went out to space and screwed up a bunch of Zacks. And he says, uh, you know, he does have the, you know, being revered by people I've never met is very uncomfortable. I have to do this on my own. I'm a teenage boy. Cut to space. And we see a whole bunch of debris just flying out of Cyrano 5. Uh, actually, before we get into the episode, I meant to ask you guys, what did you guys think of this one? Eh. Uh, yeah, this one's kind of an eh. It, like, ra random space conflict for no reason. A lot of rocks that need cleaning up. Uh. I really like this episode for reasons that both huh. fit into it, like, long-term thematically. But I love how this weirdly turns into, like, it's not a filler episode because we get really important reveals and exposition. But it feels in a lot of way like the cooking episode or like the episode where everybody like it feels like Mario Kart. Right. And that like, oh, instead of like kidnapping the princess and like <laughs> dealing with the plot this week, we're just going to race carts. And like, I love how weirdly competitive they still all get. And like I said, I think that really ties into the theme of like, oh, this generation treats war just like it's a game because these guys, these factions all end up doing this cleanup as competitively as when they war. 
And I think that is thematically important. And as someone who loves goofy anime side stories like that, I really enjoyed it. That's fair. Um, that makes sense. I hadn't really given it that kind of thought. My problem is that they do actively go about attempting to kill each other for a few minutes. Well, because they are at war, right? But then that turns into Mario Kart. <laughs> they realize, oh, wait, no, that this isn't a mainline game. This is a side game. We're supposed to team up. After Rock Pie shows up and threatens them with no power. They're like, fine, we'll get out the turtle shells and bananas. So we start with a whole bunch of debris coming out of Sereno de Bergerac, which we see from the outside. And the megafauna is out to clean it up. He's just blowing his nose. <laughs> they have these like giant stop signs to paddle debris with. <laughs> which is pretty fun. And kind of <laughs> significant, Roraya is driving the G-Self right now. Yep. Because Bellary's been benched, presumably, because of his antics. And we find out that because they didn't do proper maintenance, there was a breach in the colony, and now there's just a whole bunch of dirt flying out of it. They had to deal with it. And Danielle's like, I'm, I'm dumping out more balloons to keep the debris away from the megafauna. Which, sadly, are not megafauna-shaped. <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand how the balloons are helping, but... I'm not either. I mean, I guess they're bouncing stuff away from them. So we find out that leaving the cleanup was Ida's idea, because she's like, ah, oh, this way we can leave and we're not trapped in the port. And like they needed as much help as they get could get, so we were able to convince them, hey, we got a ship, we can help. is about to be hit by debris, but is saved by Curbs. A thing that will never happen ever again. Curbs seems to have it bad for Rariah, as Ringo like also does, because he pokes him away with a paddle. Rariah, unfortunately for them, is not into this trio. And I just like, you know, me and Raya are going back in. Lieutenant, you're in charge. I do like how Raya reinforces, like, second Lieutenant Ringo. You follow his orders. And he's like, it'll be fine as long as he does what I say. And Raya's like, no, you do what he says. And he is cowed by a girl. I just love how forceful Raya is with that. It's great. Cut to Bellary hanging out inside. He sees the Ray hunting faction. With a big apple crate. And it's like, what's up with your apples? And they're weirdly evasive about answering the question about the apple crate. They're like, it's full of new iPhones. <laughs> they are not subtle about avoiding his question. And during this whole conversation, we can see another, a new mobile suit behind Bellary. Uh, it is a Neodu, though, the new, mo the new mobile suit. Which is actually an old mobile suit. It's thousands of years old, and Toasongans have been using it for construction for a long time. And inside the apple crate is just the welder. And Naredo's like, it's not a beam rifle? And Hello Bellary like, eh, basically the same. Which is actually a pretty good callback to, like, episode one. Yeah. And uh, she does, we, we find out kinda, or at least I'm extrapolating, the reason why Bellary wasn't out there was because apparently ha he had, like, a migraine or something. I'm assuming that's uh, everything that happened last episode led to a migraine. <laughs> we cut to Colonel Camparacita landing somewhere. Uh, my favorite part of this scene is that Barrara's ears are revealed to be detachable, um, so she can just pull them off and play with They're them. They're just radio antenna. Did I tell you, I th who wrote it? Was it, oh man, I can't think of the writer's name, but he wrote a Batman comic where Batman's ears came off and they were knives, and he stabbed a bunch <laughs> of, of people. <laughs> yeah, he's no, The best part is he stabbed a bunch of people, and Rob, Robin says something, and he puts them back on, he's like, sorry, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so dumb, I love it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Colonel Kappa goes up to Mask and is like, hey, I told the army I wanted to get the G-Self back, and they loaned us a cool new mobile suit. They gave us, like, this mobile armor that's got four arms and, like, two, and, like, six legs. 
Barrara's like, yeah, give me 20 minutes for a test flight. Make sure I don't have to take out any microchips, and then I can probably pilot it. She's Make all- sure I don't have to replace the RAM mid-flight like uh, Mick Jack did that one time. She's also in a green highlighted flight suit this episode. Right. I, I think it changes when Manny goes in there. Yep. No, it changed just there. No, the thing is, uh, I think it's always been this. I think her headband and whatnot has always been green, but we always see her from far enough away that you can only you really see, see the, the like the pink flight suit that she's got. I think you're right. Because I had the same thought of like, why is it green? So Kampa and Mask are like, ah, so they're loading us this to see how bad, how much we want to fight. So they're, they're basically they're basically scheming through all of this. You know, th- this is what could happen. And then Manny mm. wanders in and is like, oh hey, everything's ready for you. And Master's like, Manny, did you hear our conspiratorizing? And she's like, no, I just came to tell Barara her mobile seat's ready. Yeah, what what conspiracies? I died no conspiracies well, here. To be fair, when she came in, she <laughs> did look like she was like on a phone or a radio or something. So it's entirely possible she was paying absolutely no attention as she walked in the door. Uh, we get a nice shot of both Manny and Barara's feet. Man, is Barara short? She's a Japanese girl with pink hair. <laughs> of course she's short. Colonel Shifty has a talk with the Toasongans about those weird blueprints that were just going around Earth, and that's how they built their ship. And he's like, we're going to have Masco talk to the megafauna. With this gun. Yeah, so I cut to Barawa's new monstrosity. The Apparently, B-front. it's been assembled really poorly, because she's got, like, a screwdriver, and she's, like, trying to screw down, like, the... the uh, Control panel. I think mobile armors in this setting just for some reason the pilot has to like deal with the motherboard in the cockpit. Cause like you said, Mick Jack had to before. Later she's gonna have like circuits popping out at her like she's playing perfection. <laughs> I mean, it does make some sense if they're <sighs> new, because the one that Mick Jack was using that I cannot think of the name the of the Armor Zagan. The Armor Zagan was very explicitly a new prototype yep and it's if these guys are predominantly using mostly old machines like and this is something new that they hadn't really built before it would make a lot of sense that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed and addressed on board that's kind of what you do a test flight for we cut to mashner aboard the salamandra where they're like hey it looks like mask is up to something he's launching something called a bifrin <laughs> I love how casual the captain of the Salamandra is with Mashner throughout this scene. He just sounds so nonchalant. It's just like, this is serious. And he's like, oh, it's a big pink thing. I don't care. <laughs> he's very snarky about how it looks basically like shit. I love uh, Nick is like, wow, that thing actually works. It's got butt thrusters. Rockpie's like, why does the Earthnoid get to test the cool unit and not me? And then Clem Nick's like, oh, man, looks like Mask is going to go to guard it. And then Mick Jack is like, oh, man, I wish I were so lucky. I love Clem Nick's like, do you, do you want the cool mobile suit or do you want someone to guard you? Which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> so Mask launched with Stefan, the very important member of the Mask Corps. That we all, it's all our favorite to guard the Bifrin. This thing from Sheevan. <laughs> <laughs> The person who may or may and not exist. Manny has this weird thing like, oh, he's using Lieutenant Barrara like a weapon. I never knew he's that unemotional. On the one hand, glad he's not into her. On the other hand, what if he tries to use me? Would I be into that? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Questions for later. But then she notices that the uh, the launch is taking off with Colonel the Shifty. Yeah, which, which is the shuttle he arrived on. So he's off shuttling somewhere. And Mashner is like, you need to send your guys out there in order to uh, help clean up. And the captain is just so, so calm. We're like, 
there are enemies. Why the fuck should I care? And Rock Pie watches on to be like, hey, why, why don't we go out and clean up while they're doing a test flight? Only to be pushed aside by Clem Nick and is like, yo, uh, you ordered us to go assist with this crap. I'm telling you to tell not to do that. And she, she's like, hey, if you don't follow orders, but then she gets a cell phone call. And like, there's a complaint directly from the Karen Mikoshi. <laughs> Am I the manager? I love the mess of everybody like just crowding cl- cr- around, like clustered around the bridge yeah. with their cockpits open. Yeah, this is again why I like the energy of this episode, where they're just kind of arguing like teenagers over this very important war in politics. So the master is like, people from the other place are mad; their ship's going to get scratched. And captain's like, what? What does that have to do with us? And master's like, you don't need to know. And so the captain's like, okay, go stop mask from getting the G self at least. That's ours. Clem, Nick, and Mick Jack are very happy about that. So Mashner is just like, okay, Rock Pie, grab some guys and go clean up. We have to make the Hermes Foundation look good. It's part of our job. And he's like, fine. So Mashner and the captain agree they'll send out all the remaining mobile suits to clean up in order to stay on good terms. Which seems reasonable. How many more mobile suits do you have on board? More? <laughs> <laughs> they got some Jahanams, surely. They send out all the named characters, but there's got to be some mooks around. Maybe. This series does have a pretty good job of making sure there's a mook or two still on board. Like, we can see there's a bunch of wrecks. I think they're just rectins on board the megafauna, because they don't have that shoulder cannon. So, we cut outside, and we see a big ship coming out of Cyrano 5, and one of the Ray Hunting dudes is like, oh yeah, that's the Kishiba Mikoshi we keep talking about. And I was like, seriously? I thought it was just part of Cyrano. It's so big. <laughs> that's why I called it Space Wall Perk is Knocked. <laughs> and, uh... Naredo says it looks like what you'd see as a float as a carnival. It is fairly gaudy. And that's the ship, that, if you don't recall, that brings the batteries to the elevator so the batteries can go down the elevator to Earth to be distributed by Belarus' mom. I mean, this is funny to me, but it's probably just, you know, a thing. They're eating with tongs. Look, bachelor lifestyle. Bachelor chow. Raya's eating it too, though. Anyway, Colonel Shifty comes up again, and the Ray Huttons are like, nah, we just heard his name on the news. Him and some mask guy. And Ryder's like, oh, I thought you might know important information about his backstory. And the one guy without animated eyes is like, what? Me? No, I definitely don't know what and he mean. Bill Ray's like, you know something. Explain yourself, dude. And he's like, no, I don't know him. And Bill Ray's like, you do know him. Now I understand why the Grotta has been making the moves. It's because Colonel Kumpa has been here before. Or he was originally from around here. So they're doing something. And Ida puts it together like, we're not going to get, we're not getting out of here without a fight. So uh, let's hit first. And Ida's like, okay, we need to find a way to look like we're cleaning while figuring out how to escape Koasanga. And Danielle has just figured out what's going on because I think our he has Alzheimer's theory is unfortunately getting more and more likely every episode. In that case, I, I think it was just a matter of like, Danielle wasn't, didn't seem like he was paying attention. So it's entirely possible he was doing something else. And then as they were talking about that, he came into the conversation like halfway through. Uh, anyway, we don't get an eye catch. Zenim, my name sounds familiar. That's the boy who built the star build strike, right? Definitely correct. Anyway, hello and welcome to episode 17 of our recap of Rekangisa in G. The one where they have a space race. Uh, this one's actually pretty exciting. We, in the future, just finished watching the movie for this. And man, the movie really improves on this last run of episodes. But this last run of episodes has actually been 
pretty tolerable, um, especially by G-Reco standards. <laughs> That's not exactly a reading endorsement, nor should it really be taken as one. But I think there's a surprising amount in this series that, upon watching it twice and doing a podcast on it, I think really makes it seem like it has a lot more depth than it would on a first watching. Um, there was a surprise I'm about to pick apart in this show, and I I may be a G-Reco stan, friends. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, just not not a very big one. I, I will give up pretty easily. Um, <laughs> thank you for watching. Uh, this is where I tell you that we have a patreon.com slash lastpodcast, uh, where you can get all of our episodes early in addition to some bonus content. We've got some post-spooky season bonus content, uh, because the thing that we wanted to do came out in the very last week of October. If you're still in a spooky mood, November's bonus episode will be spooky. Um, <laughs> also, uh, hey, everyone who is listening to this, if you're not in your Discord, you should be. And if you are in our Discord, hey, thanks for being there and making that place what it is. I saw just a couple days ago, people had like a several dozen to hundred message long conversation about D&D. Um, so good job, nerds. I appreciate all of you having your nerd conversations with us. Anyway, I'm going to let you all go. I'm enjoying this lovely fall day. I've got a beverage and a guitar, and I'm going to indulge at least one of those two things right now. Um, let's get back to the Crescent Ship Chase. Is the backside of it the dark side of the moon? We'll never know. We get back, and Raya's R- like, yeah, I learned how to pilot on Noedo, so it's my unit now. Neodu. Neodu, not Noedo. Why not give... Ida the moron. Like, <laughs> isn't that a better mobile suit? You don't know who this scrub lo- this scrub you, lord is. You mean Raya? You said Ida. Ida's oh. got a the G arcane, which why, is why not give Raya the uh, the moron instead of Ringo? It seems like Raya wants the Noedo because the Neodu, she yeah, yeah Neodu because she's like yeah it's what I learned in anyway. Raya accidentally set the boost to always instead. She actually sent it to toggle instead of hold and boosts <laughs> right into a balloon. Uh, which ricochets I, her off like, into space. This is really like kind of random because she then runs into Barara and smacks her with her stop sign of debris cleaning and beats the shit out of Barara, honestly. <laughs> and Ringo's like, why did she engage that mobile suit? I'm like, engage? Is that what you thought that was? And Mask is like, we have to be careful. We're under attack. And the Rayhuns are like, um, how, how did we fuck this up? It totally wasn't our fault. But luckily, Belria has gone out and found them. And Daniel's like, okay, bring Ida in. Make sure she doesn't do anything. I do like how... Lewin? No, yeah. that's not Lewin. No, that was Oliver. Oliver was like, why did you let her out in the first place? <laughs> I assume talking about Ida. <laughs> you know how bad Ida is at this? <laughs> so we cut to the med bay where Naredo is having an existential crisis about her place on the ship. <laughs> and then cut back to Raraya fighting Barara. Who has the power of illusions, Michael, and beam saber hands. <laughs> Six of them. And Araya just hucks the, the stupid stop sign at Barara, which works quite well. Ringo tries to earn star points with Araya. And Mask is like, hey, hey, let's not let this get out of hand. The genius is coming. And he's also bringing Mick Jack with a minigun. <laughs> and there's the G-Self, which is what we're here for. And, uh... Genius Clem Nick takes the opportunity to start the fight by attempting to snipe Mask. And Stefan's like, I will take Genius Clem. I could definitely take him in a fair fight. I have a plasma claw. <laughs> Which, Which actually is surprisingly effective. It bounces off the shield. 
Meanwhile, Mick Jack is engaging Ringo. <laughs> and everyone's like, Ida, get back on the ship. What are you doing out here? And she's you like, have a sniper rifle, so stay over here. And she's like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> That's why a lot of people be asking this episode. Ringo shoots the arm missiles that the Moran has, but Barara just blocks them with beam sabers. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> before she can get Mariah, suddenly a microchip like block falls out of her other board and smacks her in the face. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Naredo's like getting get, therapy. And a physical up. at the same time. Look, that's how we solve the mental health crisis. We just made it part of your physical. <laughs> she basically has empty nest syndrome. Her Raya has grown up. Yeah. And then there's like, you're just lonely because Raya's doing her own thing now. And the doctor's like, maybe you should try keeping Ida in check instead. <laughs> And Naredo's like, huh, maybe I should. And Mariah shoots out the uh, Bifron's monitor. Mariah, taking a page from Bellry's book, is like, welders are stronger than beam rifles. It's not a true sentence. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, like, she uh, starts rushing in. Meanwhile, like, Bellry flips her around and is like, uh, we're not done yet. There's en more enemies coming from the north. And Mariah's like, oh, they have nets. They're a cleanup crew. And Max is like, hey, don't shoot them. This is just, these are just warning nets. For the cleanup crew, and uh, Rock Pie is like, stop fighting already, you fucking retards. There's a Hermes Foundation envoy ship right there. If they see you doing this, they will not let you have any batteries, and Earth will be out of electricity. And Mariah's like, actually, that's a good point. Maybe we should stop. Anyway, R Rock Pie gives some more exposition about photon battery transportation, because really, really when it comes down to it, this series is just about the logistics and the, the different <laughs> shipping companies that the photon batteries have to go on. You know, at the bottom level, you just think Amazon brings you your photon battery. But really, there's a warehouse that it has to be stored in before <laughs> that, and it has to come from the factory to the warehouse, and then it has to be brought to that factory. Really, the more you get into the chain, the, the more you realize how fucked distribution is. Why are they even built on the moon? Because they have to be used in some kind of almost zero-G environment for all the parts to work. That's why if you try and take them apart, they blow up. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> I have no idea. But then uh, they, they charge forth by throwing nets at everybody. And I love how, like, gung-ho Bellary gets over. In the name of humanity, I'm going to go get a net and I'm going to clean this shit up and I'm going to be best cleaner. Yeah, that's what I like about this episode is, like, Mask and Clem Nick are also like, oh, no, you aren't. I will be best cleaner. Because well, uh, initially, like, Rock Pie thinks Bellary is charging to attack him. Like, he grabs for his beam katana. And then Bellary grabs the net. And Mask is like, oh no, they're getting a head start on the cleaning. And Barrow's like, I don't want to lose, but also my microchips and circuits keep just popping out at All my All of my circuit suit. breakers are breaking, because I and I don't know which one goes with what. I do like Clem and Mick being like, if we're going to do this, we're not going to half-ass it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that definitely tracks for both of them, because they don't seem like the kind of people to half-ass a job. I, I do like how, like, is kind of taking charge of running their net. And Ida seeing this is like, oh, man, Bellary did that on reflex and got people to work together, whereas I was just being a stupid, incompetent princess. <laughs> I should figure out how to get people to work together. Like a princess. I mean, you probably already know how to do it. You're just not a particularly outgoing person. And then the Ray Hunton faction is like, get us anything you're short on aboard the megafauna. So we can supply up if we're leaving. Cut to narrator who's like, I want to be a nurse. And a nurse is like, no, this is a terrible job. You should study political science. <laughs> Colonel the Shifty is like, hey, why are they cleaning up? 
They should go do that over by the Kishiba Mikoshi. Oh, wait, they realized it. Maybe these dumb kids aren't as dumb as I thought. Anyway, drive me closer to the megaphone. I want to hit it with my sword. <laughs> I got to say, this is really a huge design flaw. Well, the if fact any, that they have just, a random port you can just go in. Yeah, you you can just... I mean, I get it's an in emergency thing, but like, it shouldn't be accessible from outside. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to open it from outside so that Colonel Kampa can just board. I, I also like that they go through without spacesuits at all. Like, what if there had been a breach? If there was just like a small hole in the seal there. Cut to Flammy telling old, uh, the younger of the old men, hey, you should just like tell them everything. But he's like, no, it's too soon. Hey, there's Colonel the Shifty. I actually do know that guy. I need to take a leak. Be right back. Anyway, old guy confronts Colonel Kampa and is like, man, I thought it might be you. LaRuca, the guy who has a name. LaRuca Biscus. And Colonel Kampa knows LaRuca. He's like, I wonder, did you put a nuclear self-destruct device in the G-self? And he's like, yeah, what about you? Why are you so set on violating the taboos? And he's like, I went to Earth to stop conflict. Because, like, ever since he went to Earth, it's all conflict all the time. <laughs> Oops, all conflict. And he's like, that was the engineer's fault. And he's like, well, without you, they wouldn't have done any of that. I like how his hands start shaking. <laughs> they certainly couldn't have built spaceships. And then Ida comes in and is like, hey, did someone come in through the emergency hatch where there is a literally a spaceship stuck to us? And he's like, what do you mean by someone? He's like, I don't know, <laughs> someone really shifty. <laughs> So the colonel's like, oh, until you brought the G-self, I didn't even know where those orphans I abandoned were. So we, we get this dramatic pan around their them while they're talking, and I thought Ida was just going to be in the background of the shot listening to them. No such luck. I did too, because the way it was, like you said, shot, it made it seem like it was going to pan over and Ida was going to be just over his shoulder listening. So Colonel Shifty is like, what you did is worse than what I did. It's just bringing out hatreds of the past. The Ray Hutton should have just been allowed to dissolve so no one would want to murder them. And LaRuke is like, hey, no, that's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> and the Colonel's like, yes, it is. People who call themselves specialists are too narrow-minded. Anyway, later, and we find out he is Piani Kaluta. The person who sent them into space. The person who's actually idea away from space. To send them to Earth. And Ida's like, Laruka, you got some splaining to do. Start talking. And she's like, well, if that's where everything started with the Hermes Foundation, I'm going there. And he's like, well, it's the Venus globe. And Ida's like, so the Crescent ship goes back and forth between here and there, doesn't it? And Laruka's like, yeah, I guess. But then Naredo inter uh, flies by to be like, hey, I need to ask you to like pick up some makeup for me or something, Flaminia. And Ida's like, okay, get all the cool backpacks you made for the G-Self that we don't have. Bring them on here, and we're going to the Venus Globe, I guess. Which sounds like a theater. It does. It really does. So everybody's working, has gotten themselves working together to clean up all the debris around the, that thing. They're rocking the Karen. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to call it the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, it's, I, it has to be named after the Kobayashi right. Maru, right? It has to be a reference to that. It's too close not to be. And that's the end of the episode. But wait, no, there's not anymore. <laughs> I, like this, I like this episode, but it is pretty disposable. But at the same time, it's not filler, though, because there's a whole bunch of... There's the reveal that Colonel Kampa is, in fact, from this uh, space colony, a thing we all knew already and are not very excited by, but at least it's confirmation, I guess. Andy, that, well, I think it's more importantly that he is the person that was in the last episode, uh, directly related to the Piani Kaluta thing, yeah. because... They said, oh, yeah, it was his idea to send the Bellary and Ida down to Earth. 
And we find out it actually is Colonel Compact. Yeah. Also, Naredo and Ida's sort of listlessness and their de- decision to take new directions is important, but it is disposable. I think, like I said, somewhat on purpose, but it does have that feeling of like, oh, now we're going to have the episode where we all make ramen instead of <laughs> doing conflict. And I think, like I said, that feeds well into the themes a lot better than it usually does in uh, anime series, but that doesn't mean that's not what it is. I think my problem with it is, uh, like, I don't know, like everyone's bickering like they're teenagers with mobile suits. Um, which is exactly why they are doing that. But... I mean, I don't know how to tell you this, Tyler. They're all teenagers with mobile suits. I know. <laughs> I think Jeremy's description of the episode as disposable is mostly how I feel about it. Like, I feel like I could have just gotten a recap of everything that happened in the last, like, minute and a half there and been fine. I think in some ways you're right, but also at the same time, I think you're wrong in some of the other places because you don't get the same kind of angle especially with like colonel compacts and uh, laura cabiscus's uh, relationship with regards to their confrontation with each other as well as getting that full theme of yeah we started a fight and then everybody went into immediate competitive cleanup mode if you just get a uh, summary of it i think that'd be fine <laughs> the manufactured tragedy does come out of nowhere of oh no there's dirt now because there's a hole in our space colony <laughs> and the important thing about that is we need to clean up dirt <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit out of left field. Like, I kind of felt like I might have accidentally turned over two pages at once, as it were. Like, it would have made a little bit more sense if the, we had seen that, it happen. Uh, Bellary's fight in the previous episode had weakened something. Yeah, but they don't want to give Bellary responsibility, right? Because that's why Uriah has the line of, like, it's because they didn't do maintenance. It was their own fault. In a way that, like, if that had been, Bellary would be like, oh, no, I've caused damage to my homeland, and I have to be emo for an episode. Which I don't know that we need right after him being... So angry and frustrated last episode. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I think it's specifically random parts popping out and bonking Barara in the <laughs> face. <laughs> pretty good. That was pretty great. Zach? I think it's uh, Mick, Jack, Clem, Nick, and Rock Pie all like arguing in front of the bridge aboard their mobile suits. For me, it's going to be them all deciding to go into competitive cleanup mode. Of Clem, Nick being like, we will be the best cleaners, Mick, Jack. I will have the prettiest maid uniform, and you will have the second prettiest maid uniform. <laughs> My runner-up is uh, Raya beating the shit out of Arara <laughs> with a stop sign. <laughs> Do you have a low point, Tyler? It, it's more... It, I don't I don't even know that fridge logic is the right term for this, but like how dumb it is that there's just an emergency port on the side of the megafauna <laughs> that just anyone can get into, I guess? It is really convenient, right? Couldn't they have, like, ran into the colonel, like, going to fetch the supplies or something? It is very dumb just because of the fact that, like, why is this here? Also, why does the colonel want to get on the megafauna? What was his goal? Yeah, Because he goes on there, talks to Biscuses for, like, two minutes, and then immediately (laughs) leaves. Who he didn't know was there. He, He did not know he was there until he saw him there. Yeah, so th- what's your end game? <laughs> what are you even doing here? He just likes to stand around places being shifty. <laughs> <laughs> he does like to do that. We know that. What's your low point, Zach? Uh, mine is going to have to be the manufactured fight between Raya and Barara. <laughs> because, like, her... No- Noredu is, like... That's not how it's... Whatever ne- she's driving. Neodu, that's what it is. Okay. Is there not an R in it? No, there isn't, but I want to put one in there. Okay. It's suddenly, oh no, the boosters are are there, so she runs into Barara and beats her her up with a stop sign, and then later it's just, nope, she's perfectly fine. Nothing's wrong with the engines anymore. It's like, 
did she fix them? Did what was even wrong in the first place? Like, I know Jeremy wants to stay away from the whole cinema sins thing, but it's like, is this just the writer writing in an arbitrary conflict in order to get us to the cleanup, clean up everywhere? I don't think it, but it doesn't need to be that, right? Just because the Bifron was coming to pick a fight with the G self already. That's just so Raya will do something. So yeah, it, it's not the best writing. That's for sure. I mean, it would make sense if like Bellary launched and then she tried to start a fight and Raya jumped in to help. Like, she doesn't need to just be like, oh, yeah, your boosters are broken, and now they're not. I really do want, based on this episode, you, you know the clean all the things meme? I just wanted Mariah instead holding up a broom. I'm going to be go with Curbs being real, uh, weirdly horny for Mariah. Because how old is Curbs supposed to be? That's a genuine question. I can't decide if I think he's a year older than Bellary or twice Bellary's age. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't think he's a year. I think he's a few years older than Bellary. Because he's already an instructor, and Bellary was a couple of years advanced at the academy. Because Lewin is like two years older than Bellary. That's true. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? I think it's actually Raria this episode. She gets to have a lot of like fun lines. Really, Barara and Raria are the only ones who are like doing anything for a while. So, I think Raria. Zach? Hmm, I'm very torn. I think Tyler's right. But I'm not sure if I want to give it to Barara or Raria. I think I'm going to give it to Raya because she does feel like she has a little bit more agency throughout the, se- the throughout the episode, like including when at the beginning when she's in the G self, uh, even though Barara does have some funny bits. I was between Raya and someone else, and I was like, if they both give it to Raya, I'll give it to the other person. But I don't remember who that is now. Was it Colonel Shifty? It was actually. Yes, it was. I was actually going to suggest yeah. that too. I'm going to give mine to Colonel Reseda. I think Raya is a really good candidate. I was strongly considering her, but since you both gave it to her, I even though him showing up on the megafauna doesn't make sense and is kind of random, I do think it's an escalation, and it, for the first time, sort of makes him feel like he's not just a shifty villain, but maybe he's a person who has ideals and thinks he's doing the right thing. That's a good point. What is his goal with blowing up the G-Self, though? I wonder if that's just him being rhetorical, right? Or is that, I want a nuclear bomb, is that one? Or is him being like, oh, you're so high and mighty, but I bet you put a nuke in that thing and sent it to Earth. Uh, I did not read it that way. That's a good point. I think you can read it either way. I I, I think Jeremy's right. I think you could see it either way. Do we want to add any mobile suits to the mobile suit list? I think we see more of the Nuedo and the Bifron, but I don't think we see much more of either, to be honest (laughs) with you. Uh, the Bifron is so dumb. Um, well, let's see if we see more um, from the Bifron. We'll add it next. Remind me to add it next week, no matter what. Okay. Do we want to do the same thing for the Neodu? Or yeah, I know we see a little bit more of the Neodu, okay. so we can we can wait on that. Um, I was going to say we could rank the High Torque Pack. I kind of do want to rank the High Torque Pack separately from the G-Self, but I feel like you guys shot down that idea when I suggested it before. Mostly just because it has so many backpacks. Yeah, but the High Torque just feel like the High Torque and Assault Pack are the ones that feel to me. There's one more that we haven't seen yet. I mean, I think the high torque pack makes sense. Okay, let's go ahead and add that randomly 10 episodes <laughs> after it showed up. Worse than the assault pack, right? Yes, yeah. very much so. I mean, it's they call it the high torque pack, but it's basically just the G-Self Chonky pack. The Falcon Punch pack, if you will. Let's see, what, what mobile suits are Chunky Boys? The Servi? Is that that low on the list? I, I'm, I'm scrolling down and seeing if, wait, waiting for something. That I'm like, oh, that's a Chunky Boy. The thing is, most of them are like, uh, that, that is chunky, but it's not the right comparison point. How do we think it compares to the Regnant, which is the huh. mobile suit Luis had at the end of the series? Huh. 
I was not a big fan of the Regnant, um, so I, I think I might have to go with the Torque Pack. I also just kind of like the Torque Pack, even though it's kind of a dumb idea. I think I might agree with Tyler. I think the Regnant kind of benefited from not having the Plank of Wood test. Uh, how do we think it compares to the Cerave? I think I prefer the Cerave, if I'm honest. I think I agree. What about the Destroy Gundam? <laughs> Speaking of chunky boys, I skipped over because that's too chunky. <laughs> I think I prefer the Destroy Gundam to the High Torque Pack. I think I also agree. Uh, how about the Elf Bullock, which also has some mm. chunk to it, but not as much. I think I prefer the High Torque Pack, um, just because it does have that look of like gun- actually a Gundam in a Gundam armor. It's kind of the same appeal that people have for Space Marine Centurions. Well, I wasn't expecting Zach to go that direction, but I agree. I think I should prefer the high torque back. Okay, final question. Better or worse than the Montero? It's got huh. a better color scheme than the Montero. And I, I do love its stupid rotating thruster things. The Montero has is, is just way more practical, I think, though. Yeah, but that's not necessarily what we're ranking things based on. That's part of my consideration. It's certainly a sure. factor, though. Uh, um, I think I go high torque pack, but it's very close. And I, I think I go Montero, but it's very close. Hmm, because you're both right. It is very close, and I can't decide which one I think I prefer. I think it might have to be the Montero for me. All right, so the G-Self High Torque Pack goes at number 86, below the Montero and above the Elf Bullock. The only other one we might want to rank now is the Mac Knife, but... It didn't really get a great showing this episode, and I know it doesn't disappear next week, so. That's fair. I'm, I thought we had already ranked the Mag No, knife. because there's, like, lots of stuff it does, and I wanted it to get plenty of time, but I don't think it has any tricks we haven't seen. That's fair. I surprisingly, spoilers for when we do rank it, um, I really like the Mac knife. It's grown on me a lot. Same, but I don't know how, what that's going to translate to in terms of putting it on the list. That's fair. Because while, while I, like, oh, I, I've gone from that thing's dumb to I like that thing, but when you put it next to things I actually really like. I don't know how it's going to That's fare. a fair point. I still don't. But like, you like it more than the Elf Bowl, right? Yes. Which is a little further than halfway down the list, which says to me it's almost certainly going in the top half of the list. It's just like, when you get to the top quarter of the list, I'm like, oh man, that's way better than the Mac Knife. That's so. fair. So we'll see where it ends up. But that will do it for this week. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 18 of Reconquista and G, Ride the Crescent Moon. Don't hold your breath while listening to the podcast. 